From the rugged desert outside Yuma, Arizona, this is Outpost Outspoken. Outpost Outspoken is the official podcast of U.S. Army Yuma Proving Ground, which conducts natural environment testing of military equipment in Arizona, Alaska, and the tropics. Hello, I'm Mark Schauer. Yuma Proving Ground is at the forefront of current Army transformation efforts. And the time David Bates, cross-functional integrator for YPG's Air Combat Systems Directorate, spent in uniform, gives him a particular appreciation for ensuring soldiers have the best equipment. You come from a prominent military family. Yes, yes, yes. So, so my, my grandfather actually was, um, was a uh, base commander in Injerlik, Turkey. And um, he, uh, he was the base commander for Injerlik Air Force Base. And my mother was working as a contractor for the Blackhawks there. And that's kind of how my mother and my father met, who was, my father was a uh, uh, Air Force, a Turkish Air Force officer. He was a pilot in Turkey. And, you know, that's kind of how that came about. And I was born in Ankara, Turkey for kind of that reason there. So, um, you know, fast forward, uh, you know, my father passed, my mom kind of moved the family to back to the U.S., kind of doing my thing. I started off in, uh, in the uh, San Fernando Valley in uh, Los Angeles. Um, you know, middle school started off in ESL, you know, English was my second language, so I kind of had to go through that process. Uh, then went to high school in the Valley and um, ended up uh, kind of moving to Sacramento. I was kind of trying to find my way there. And um, I, I decided the Army was my calling. You know, it was kind of like that, uh, and that was about 2006 that I joined the Army. After your enlistment, you went to CSU, an electrical engineering degree? Yes, yes. Got my uh, bachelor's in uh, electrical engineering uh, from Cal State University, Northridge. Um, so uh, that was a great and fun process. I used the GI Bill for the most part. Um, I didn't have a clue that I was going to come back working for the Army, but um, you know, it became kind of the natural order of things. Um, I, I finished up school. I was looking for a job kind of in limbo for like a couple months there. I had just gotten done working for a, uh, a microchip company. I didn't want to do that anymore. I was looking for a different type of job. I don't know, I'm, I'm clumsy. So I, I can't work with those little microchips. Um, so I, I was looking for a job, then got the, uh, the uh, opportunity from Tracks to come out here and check it out. And the funny story about that is that, uh, you know, we're, they're giving me the tour around the base and I see a, a, an Abrams drive by and I jokingly say, hey, uh, you know, will I get to drive one of those? And um, uh, Andy Schaefer at the time kind of was like, yeah, actually, we encourage you to drive it. And I looked at him, I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, absolutely. That's a part of the job. I was like, all right, I'll take the job. He's like, well, we didn't offer it to you. I said, well, you're going to. Don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll take the job. Has you ever heard of Yuma Proving Ground while you were in uniform? Oh, God, I didn't even know Yuma existed. I, I, I had no idea what a Yuma was. I had to look it up on a map. And you looked up the quick facts about it where, you know, it's one of the hottest places on earth and all this kind of stuff. And you're after having a couple deployments, like, well, I don't know if I want to go back to a really, really hot spot. Um, but again, seeing what the uh, Yuma Proving Ground um, did for the military and, and kind of what the mission is here really inspired me. Now, these days, you're the cross-functional integrator for the Air Combat Systems Directorate. And you were very heavily involved with Project Convergence 22 Technology Gateway. 
the first one ever held. Uh, true, true, true. So yeah, I am the cross-functional team integrator, or one of the uh, cross-functional team integrators in the Air Combat Systems Directorate. Uh, I specifically uh, work in the areas of uh, assured position navigation and timing, uh, or electronic warfare. And and I was I was lucky enough that that my uh, leadership was was confident in me being able to do something like Technology Gateway. So um, I was I was very happy when I was kind of tapped on the shoulder to do kind of uh, lead the effort for Technology Gateway on the YTC side and make sure that, that we were uh, coordinated, ready, and uh, had the resources pulled in and, and kind of dealing with the uh, back and forth with the Dev oh, DevCom team who actually turned out to be outstanding partners in the whole process. Um, it, 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 was a, it, was a, it was a learning experience, it was, it was a humbling experience, and it was, it was definitely a fun experience. Um, and, and when you kind of look at the large picture of what uh, Project Convergence and specifically Technology Gateway is for the Army, it, it really is very exciting and, and very humbling at the same time because you are part of uh, the, the transformation of the Army and the modernization of, of uh, the workforce and, and all that. So um, it's, it's actually uh, really interesting to look at it from the broad picture perspective and the impact that ATEC and YPG specifically is having on the future of the warfighter. David Bates, really appreciate your time today. Of course, thank you very much. Welcome, I'm your host, Anna Henderson. The work Human Proving Ground employees do on the clock is always impressive. Their dedication to the mission is something they all speak about. Outside of work, they also put their skills and talents to good use. Marine veteran and YPG employee Richard Gilmore published his first book, and he's here to share his story. Welcome, Richard. Thanks. Happy to be here. Congratulations on your book. Thank you. <laughs> I read your author page, and you wrote, what about this? Stop just talking about the ideas and try to transform them into books. What finally gave you that push? Like, how did the idea to write a novel begin? A few years back, my son got old enough, so I started showing him the movies they used to love as a kid in the 80s, and they were all like the Terminator movies and the, you know, the, just talking about the different alien movies and stuff like that. And we got into that, and I started thinking about the old vampire movies I used to like to watch. Interview with the Vampire always comes to mind, and I thought, why are, why were all vampire movies always, and books, always set in either Victorian era or current time? And I was like, yeah, it'd be kind of cool if you threw one into the future into a, you know, Apocalypse style, Terminator style. So like, okay. So for years, I would just randomly think about it and talk about it with my wife, and she's like, just stop talking about it and just write a book. So after enough time of her saying that, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do it. I read a few books, uh, you know, reading to my child, and I thought to myself, I mean, these aren't really executed all that well. I mean, I could, I could do okay. Like, it can't be that. It can't be worse than this. So I decided to give it a shot. Let her read a couple pages and or a couple chapters and. She told me it wasn't bad, so gave it a real shot and went all the way. How long did it take to write the book and just share your process? What were you working, you know, after work, staying up late? Did you write down notes here and there? Like, how did that process work? So it was always after work and at home. Um, most of the time it was after everybody was asleep because, you know, you get home from work, you do 
do your parenting duties, you gotta do all those type of things. So you gotta do it in one of your free time. So it ended up being almost like a second job where I was just, whenever I had the opportunity, went and do it. You said you kind of bounce ideas off like, you know, your, your son and your wife. Oh yeah, so I mentioned in my in my synopsis, that, you know, the uh, what about this? So that's kind of the game I like to play with him, which is come up with different ideas and say, okay, what about this? What if I, you know, throw a vampire into a, into a Terminator? What do you think about that? And he's like, oh, that's a cool idea. And so I would diff start discussing different things with him on that. And it gets kind of crazy, the story itself. But I mean, a lot of those ideas, funny enough, come up as I'm um, like mowing the yard or you know, cleaning something at the house. You do something mindless and all of a sudden a random idea comes up and you're like, hey, maybe I should take that thread and run with it and see what I can do with it. And it kind of kind of goes crazy. And your book is titled Almost Immortal. So give us a little bit of the synopsis. Now, now I know it has vampires in it. So the main the main character is a vampire. You know, you, you, you're sitting with him. He's talking to a couple, couple other soldiers that are, you know, in the future. I didn't define the time of the future. So that it's kind of like the reader to kind of set the timeline themselves for where it was. But it's in the near future. How about that? And so he kind of gives his background of how he got to where he's currently at. How, like, how did he get to where he's sitting talking to these two guys? And at the same time, um, I'm given the background of the AI and how it came to be and how, and basically get it to where it's current, the present time, which is where they're at. So going through, recounting his past, how he, how he came to be and all that and... I like that you don't determine like what in the future because I think as a reader you always kind of imagine things and that's the fun part about reading you imagine how the character is going to look you imagine where the the setting is I think it's nice that you let the um, reader imagine that now I do find it interesting that here at YPG you are a information technology specialist and in your book artificial intelligence plays a role did anything from your work here inspire your book? Thank, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> if anything from work inspired what I put in that book, that'd be scary. Um, but no, it's, you know, just old movie ideas and books that I read before and then just taking those basic concepts and just kind of twisting them into something different. Okay, now tell me more about your role as an IT specialist and how it supports the mission of testing equipment for the warfighter. I've been at YPG now for almost 18 years working in mission control. The title IT specialist is essentially the same exact thing I was doing when I was tracks uh, in mission control. Now I just oversee the mission control area. I do a lot of their development for uh, an integration for software and uh, hardware testing and stuff like that. Uh, we provide you know operational picture for the test environment to make sure the test execution is going the way they want, the instrumentation is tracking the test article the way they want it, and we're displaying and giving them enough data to make real-time decisions of tests that are happening as it's happening. And just for the listener, I'm going to let them know that mission control is how it, it shows in the movies a little bit. It's like a small you know. scale. Right. You, you're, there's seats, and then you look forward, and there's a whole bunch of different TVs with different angles. So uh, mission control is kind of like what you see on the TVs in this case. Now, you also served some time in the Marines. Did that experience help at all with uh, what you do here at YPG and also maybe with your book? Uh, it did help that. I think it made me passionate about the job I do here because you know I was in the military, still supporting the military, so I like that. Um, I had an air traffic control background in the Marines, which helped in mission control. You're talking to aircraft and separating aircraft and having to monitor what's going on around you and just the multitasking that takes place with that. So that was that helped out a lot. Um, I think for the book, maybe just the mindset that someone has if they're in a situation where they have to depend on themselves and you know 
take care of those around them or you, you go into a, a fight and you know it's just you or them and you know you have to keep that kind of mentality so I think that's important. So do you plan to write any more? I do. That is the so this book was the first in this, the series that might be three or four books long. I don't know. It might be longer. Who knows? But playing that, uh, what about this game with the kid? I've actually got a few different ideas also. So maybe one, after I get a few books in this series, I'm going to you know, do a few other ones. So I don't know. I don't know. I got six or seven in my head at this point or on paper to do. Wow. Well, you said it. You put it out into the universe and now it has to happen. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very inspiring. Like I told you off air that writing a novel is something that I would love to do as well. So maybe one day. Um, but Richard, again, congratulations on your book and thank you for the work that you do here at YPG to support the Warfighter. Thanks, Anna. This has been Outpost Outspoken. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time from the Army's busiest test center.